Thank you. Thank you. Well, I will say it often that uh, you hear me quote that text, we're drinking from wells we did not dig. And I am indebted to those who've gone before me and perhaps few, I know few that I'm more indebted to than the man that's going to speak to us today, Dr. L. Ken Jones. Ken Jones was the fifth president of Lubbock Christian University and uh, quite the Renaissance man. He's had four careers, really. He had a career as an engineer. He has his Ph.D. That's his discipline in engineering from Oklahoma State. He's a cowboy. He had a career as a preaching minister, most recently at uh, Sunset uh, here in town, and and, uh, I think LCU stole him away from there. He was the president for 18 years at Lubbock Christian University. I think he needs a round of applause just for that. And I don't know whether to call the fourth career ranching or, or leadership teaching, but he has had quite the run. When, when I think about and look around this campus, uh, this auditorium that we sit in, he, he renovated it and uh, re, redid this. Uh, the Cardwell Welcome Center, the Rip Griffin Center where we play ball, uh, the, the rec center being completely redone. You just keep going down the list of the buildings, the Ling Learning Center. Uh, under his watch, we sold a piece of property that created the first endowment for this institution. Enrollment was at record levels. I mean, you can just go on and on and on. But I love this quote from a student that he mentored. And, and Dr. Jones might not call himself a mentor, but he was a mentor to many. And this is what one student said. For a generation of LCU students, faculty, and staff, Ken Jones epitomized leadership, excellence, and how to follow God's call on your life. Ken's wife, Susie, and he have two children, married children, Mitch and Jenny. They've got two granddaughters and two grandsons. You may hear more about that. I don't know. But let's welcome the fifth president of Lubbock Christian University, Dr. Ken Jones. Well, I'm certainly thankful to Dr. McDowell for the introduction. And I'm really thankful to be here on our campus this morning. A few weeks ago, I was driving down 19th Street, and I uh, was headed toward Quaker 19th to Market Street. I was going to go there and read a little bit and write a little bit and think a little bit. And so I knew what not many people would be on campus, and so I just decided I'll stop at our coffee shop here. And I'll go in and quietly read and write and think, and no one will know me and and that was true, and I finally walked on, out on campus and decided to take a tour of the campus, and I, I, was, I was totally amazed. From one end to the other, from one side to the other, this campus is absolutely beautiful. It's actually under the leadership of President Perrin and now President McDowell that this campus has really, really changed. And I, I am so grateful to be here. I, I've always appreciated also the student body. But I am told that this student body may be the best that's ever been. And so what a wonderful place, Lubbock Christian University. I have 12 minutes, 12 minutes to speak about the subject of leadership. And that subject's great big and it can take hours. So obviously I'm just going to take one little sliver of thought. And I want to talk for a moment this morning about leadership attitude. Or maybe just drop the word leadership and talk about attitude. I'm talking about the kind of attitude that is positive, that's optimistic, the kind of attitude that smiles, the kind of attitude that does not complain, does not whine. 
I've been told that if you have that kind of attitude that you get to live longer. I've been told that you uh, are happier. You smile more. I've even been told, been told if you have that kind of attitude, you're more attractive. I can use some of that. I grew up in an interesting home. I grew up in a good, good home. My dad is still alive. He's 92 years old. He's blind due to something called macular degeneration. His knees don't work, so he can't walk very well. He's still able to stay at home, at least for the moment, with the help of several. But my dad has always been optimistic. As long as I can remember, he's been positive. My dad has always believed the best. Oh, it's going to rain any time now. That, that, that's kind of how he is. And my dad rarely, rarely ever complains or whines about anything, even his current situation. My mom was a bit different. Her family was different. And they're good people. They're really good people. But they were more direct. They were far more opinionated. Sometimes a bit harsh and controlling. And certainly critical. Now, genetically, I look like my dad. We look alike. We're the same size. We sound alike. But along the way of life, I began to realize that I had maybe the disposition a bit of my mother. I had a tendency to be negative. had a tendency to complain. To whine. And when I was not much older than you, I began to recognize more and more that tendency. And so in my 20s, in my late 20s, I started reading all kinds of materials. And I started listening to, at that time it was audio cassettes. I would listen to people. And I would begin an early morning routine where I would try to refocus and, and think about what I should be like. And all those many years here at Lubbock Christian. For the most part, certainly almost every day, I did that same routine. I would do the early morning routine. Nobody knew that, really. But I did the early morning routine. I would still read the books. I was still listening to the materials because I knew that I couldn't lead unless I had a right kind of attitude. And I had to constantly work on it. Two years ago, Susan and I moved to uh, western Oklahoma. We grew up in this little town where we live now. We have some farming and ranching property, and our son operates that. And our son is really conservative financially. He's a really hard worker and does a great job. But upon arriving in western Oklahoma in that small town, I had what I call culture shock. Not only that, I was missing more of a professional life like I had here in Lubbock. Not only that, I began to see the stress that our son was under trying to operate that fairly sizable operation. The money wasn't working correctly. The finances weren't working correctly. Typical Ken thought he would bail in there and figure it all out, and I I couldn't figure it out. And then Susan and I would drive around the little town at nights. We've been doing that for years. Even all those years ago, we would come up to the campus almost every night and we would quietly drive around the campus and just look at it. 
we drive a little around the town and I see vacant buildings and I see houses in disrepair and some houses vacant need to be torn down and I start focusing on the electrical system and know it needs great upgrades and the water system needs to be completely replaced and what you focus on grows and I kept focusing on those kind of things. Along the way, the pandemic came and you know what all that did to us. And so I found myself being negative and I found myself complaining and I found myself whining and I found myself thinking nothing's going to work until I got one of those wake-up calls. You know about wake-up calls? They are never fun. They're never what you want to have. And I knew I needed to start going back to my old routines because I know myself now well enough to know my tendencies. So I started reading again. And I started listening to books, audio books, not on cassette any longer, but through my phone. And I started back to my early morning routines. Along the way in all this, I got a text from a woman named Lori. Lori lives in Sarasota, Florida. I had met Lori in 2013. We were both a part of the same cohort at Georgetown University, where we were both going through a, a, a certificate program in executive leadership coaching. I didn't know her well. Don't know how old Lori is today, maybe, maybe in her 50s, I'm just not sure. But I knew in the class that she had a rare form of cancer. And I knew that that rare form of cancer had left her paralyzed for a period of 18 months at one point. I, I knew, I'd heard the story that her husband said, I didn't sign up for the cancer deal, and he left. Well, I got a, a text I suppose a group of us got this text a few weeks ago. And Lori said, my cancer has returned. She said, my bone marrow is messed up and therefore my blood counts are off. And she said, I've been with the doctors, a team of doctors at a university medical center in Florida. They've discovered the problem. She said, I should not have taken the COVID vaccine. Now, she was quick to say the COVID vaccine is really, really good. But in my particular case, it didn't function properly, and I'm messed up. So I would text Lori once in a while and ask her how she was doing. And one day at the end of her response, she said, how are you doing? And I said, you know, Lori, I, I could actually use some executive coaching. Well, she picked up on that and said, I'll call you Monday at 2 o'clock, precisely at 2 o'clock. Now, Lori coaches nuclear scientists and high-ranking government officials in Washington, and she's big-time coach. She called at 2 o'clock. I kind of told her the story I've told you. And I said, Lori, I've gone back to my routines. I think it's helping a bit. Somewhere in the conversation, I said, Lori, can you tell me how you do it? Can you tell me how you do it? with all that you've been through and all that you're going through and all these horrible circumstances. And yet, yet you're bright and you're cheery and, and, and you seem to never, ever complain about any of this stuff. And Lori said, Ken, I have to get up every single morning and I have to choose joy. 
and I have to choose how I'm going to live this day. I don't know how many days I'm going to have left. I choose every single day how I'm going to be. And some days I'm more successful than others. But may I tell you this morning, if you want to lead people, influence people, and if you want to live a good quality life, and if you want to become everything that God planned for you to become, you've got to work on this attitude thing. Because life is literally hard. The 20s? I I, I usually give audiences an S word for every decade. My S word for the 20s is it's the years of struggle. Does that surprise you? Struggle. People say going to college is fun and games. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. There are some fun and games. But I suspect that right now you have major time management issues. And the homework, I don't think I could even graduate from college these days. I mean, I'm watching the homework. I'm watching the level of classes. I'm watching what's going on. And I'm thinking, I I couldn't do that. And the tests... And then you're wondering, have I chosen the right career path? And then you struggle wondering, where am I going to get a job and where will I be required to live? And you struggle wondering, am I going to find my life's mate here on this campus? And it goes on and on and on. But I'll tell you, every decade is like that. Every decade has a challenge, a bunch of challenges. And so the point is, you've got to work on yourself. And you've got to get up every morning. And decide this is a day that I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to smile. I'm going to choose that I will not complain. I'm trying that. I've not been totally successful, by the way. But I found it interesting this morning. I come into chapel. I walk over to Dr. Camp, a longtime friend. Great, great at his work. Great in a lot of areas of life. I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm doing really well. He said, I got up this morning and I looked at life and I chose that life is going to be really well. He didn't know what I was going to talk about. But I thought, that's it. That's it. It's every single day. And I'll tell you again, you have such potential. And God has such plans for you. It's a worn out story. I got a couple of minutes, okay? It's a worn out story, I know. But I love the story still. We tell it over and over again. Paul is preaching. And he preaches in this Roman city. And and some people don't like what he's done. And they take him and his companion and they they give him the Roman beating with rods. It it almost kills you. Then they put him in the jail, the inner part of the jail. Can you imagine the sanitary conditions? Can you imagine the smell? They make it worse. They put his feet in stocks. Here's typical Ken. Why in the world would this have to happen to me? And why in this spot? And why the feeding stocks? And this is miserable. I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything wrong. But this fellow named Paul learned what I'd like to learn before the hair is gone completely. Before I take my last breath, I'd like to learn that I choose joy. He's singing. Singing. I choose joy over my circumstances. I choose to smile in spite of my circumstances. And I choose to quit this ridiculous complaining 
over circumstances that are never going to be quite right. Go and be all that God called you to be, my friends. Go and be all that God called you to be. You have a great life ahead of you. God bless.